right. Welcome to episode five of the Mind Soul Connection podcast. My name is Jamie Blaustein. I'm your host, CEO of the Sylvia Braffman Mental Health Center, joined as always by Ben Braffman, Chief Clinical Officer, and Peter Marinelli, founder of Through the Archway and Executive Director at Sylvia Braffman. How are you guys doing today? Well, thank doing God. well. Doing well. Really excited. Awesome. Well, yeah. we're in we're in the new year. Yeah. How was your New Year's? Quiet. Yeah. It's good. Which is good, yeah. Quiet, needed a couple of days off. Quiet, stuff. quiet's good. I feel yeah. the uh, the energy and momentum coming back at the office, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to getting back into a routine. Definitely yes. a a routine guy. I like structure, so so here we are. Um, of course, this podcast brought to you by the Sylvia Braffman Mental Health Center, and today we're talking about the other half of of what we've talked about. Last episode, we talked about finance and romance as being the primary fears of most folks. And we're not going to focus on finance specifically, but tangentially. Uh, In that, we're going to talk about career, right? So today's topic is navigating a career um, as somebody who is dealing with recovery from mental illness or addiction. Um, There's a lot to unpack here, and, and I'm really passionate about this area because we talk a lot about the purpose of getting better is not to just like white knuckle it and like just survive and get by. Um, the purpose is to go out and be part of life and, and do all the things that you wanted to do before your addiction or mental illness, like really became debilitating. Mm. And, and I'm very lucky that I had mentors that like stressed that to me early on. And so I wanted to go out and and be successful conventionally um, in life when I got clean at 24 years old. And um, it's been an interesting journey, and I've learned a lot of lessons uh, along the way. And and I'm sure you guys have seen um, a, a whole bunch of different avenues that people have taken in their career, you know, once they've gotten better. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I'm just going to share a little bit about my experience and you know, of course, we all work together, um, and you you know this to some extent, but maybe you haven't heard it in like a chronological way. So, you know, I um my addiction really, you know, I was a good kid growing up, no major issues, you know, class president every year, all this good stuff, like a celebrated kid. And I went to the University of Michigan. My addiction kicked off like immediately, and that started this journey through rehabs and 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 overdoses. And, you know, of course I went to destination hope Ben, your rehab, uh, you kicked me out, uh, rehab number four. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I'm glad I kicked it out too. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was what I needed. Yeah. And long story short, I somehow graduate and I'm like, I have no clue what I want to do. Um, I have, uh, <laughs> a two seven GPA sociology major at that time, my mentality was, I, you know, because I was still sick, right? This was at 22 years old. I didn't get clean till I was 24. I needed to look good. So I need to wear a suit to work every day. I need to make it seem as though um, I'm just absolutely killing it because I knew deep down that I wasn't. So, of course, the ego wants to portray a different narrative. And so on the strength of like just being able to speak, you know, like a good addict, being, uh, you know, having the gift of gab, um, I was able to get a job at Morgan Stanley in New York City doing uh, wealth management, right? And that's really a sales job. So they don't need to see, you know, top grades and top. 
It's just, can you talk? Can you convince people essentially to invest money with you? And I could do that. Uh, but of course, when you're shooting heroin, um, it's tough to keep a job. And, uh, and, and so that was short-lived. That was about two months. And then I somehow parlay that into the same job at Wells Fargo. Okay. This was now in New Jersey because um, New York for that three-month period was a total disaster. I move back to New Jersey. I start going to meetings. The seeds are planted, but I'm still not ready to get it. I'm still in that place where I don't want to use. I know I'm an addict, but I can't not use. And so I'm working at, you know, working, I say loosely at Wells Fargo and all this insanity is going on. I finally get clean there. And, you know, I, I, I knew that my time there was short lived because I knew I wasn't actually working. So, you know, I go to treatment, I come back, I know the clock is ticking and, um, I have a lot of fear about this area, Hmm. you know, um, a, like, what am I supposed to do in life? I mean, that's a looming question. Like, is really broad that a lot of people struggle with. So at least I had an industry that I was in already, but I didn't know if that's what I like to do. My motives for getting involved in, in finance, again, they were, they were misplaced. Right. Mm. Um, but what I started to do is just put one foot in front of the other, put some feelers out there. I eventually went to a firm that, uh, is called Lord Abbott and it, it was an investment management firm and there I also did sales because I had no real concrete skill set at that point. It was more I can speak and I know something about the market. If you tell me what to say, mm-hmm. you know, from the people that are actually doing the finance, yeah, I can so, let me ask a question. At this point, did you have you, you just had the sociology degree? You didn't have anything else? That's right. Okay. I just wanted to I just wanted to be clear. And then the other question I had, and maybe you'll answer it, um, is what were you telling yourself? you know, by, by doing the things that you just described, like what, what, what's the end game? Like what, what's in your head at that time? What's the career path? I think I was so desperate to get something on paper, right? Cause I graduated a little bit later. I graduated in December, right. Versus May. Cause I was in your treatment center my whole senior year. Right. So I somehow take classes down in Florida. Which I get credits that I need to I, I, I know. I know now that you are an ally. You understand that. You see how I work. Yeah, so. I, I know. <laughs> didn't Ben? Didn't you say that they all wanted to kick me out? Oh, the the, the only person, and it was the right person because I was in charge. It was uh, uh, the, it was the only person advocating for you. Um, you know, and I mean, we've talked about it. But that's because of you and your family. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. Interesting. Well, thank, right. thank, thank you yeah. for, uh, oh, you're welcome for back in the horse. Yeah. Appreciate I it. feel like I saved your life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, at that point, I don't know. I don't know what the end game is. I just know, you know, I'm in my addiction, right. But then I get clean at Wells and I'm like, okay, my time is limited. I'm going to go to this firm, Lord Abbott, and you're having more sophisticated conversations with financial advisors instead of being the financial advisor on the market, right? Like they do the management of money in house. And so that was like where I got better when I was at Lord Abbott and I was like really in the work doing the deal and with a, you know, on a desk with like 50, 60 people who were all, you know, 23 to maybe 30 and most living in New York city, a lot living in Hoboken. And like, that's where I learned like a, how to be like polished, right? They were very white shoe. 
you know, like very old school. In fact, uh, suit every day. They said you have to wear white shirt and striped tie, like no pattern tie. It was actually a little archaic. Um, but I learned how to like suit up and I learned about camaraderie, right? Cause there were all these people and they were living normal lives in, in, in my mind, something that like, I, I, I didn't know if that would ever happen. Mm. Um, and that made me feel in, in conjunction with doing the work, feel, feel part of. And, you know, while I was there, I felt I'm, uh, I'm underachieving in my career. I feel, you know, probably some ego here, but I, I feel like I can do more than just talk. I think I can think too. Um, so I'm going to apply to business school and I'm going to get honest about my track record because I have to, right. Mm. It's, you know, you have to submit your resume and, and, um, and I did, and I did well on the, on the GMAT and, um, I, I went to Duke, I got, I got my MBA. I knew when I went to Duke, I was going to do investment banking. Mm. So, um, I was worried because that lifestyle is, uh, really rigorous and, at that point, I had like a good balance going on, right? Like I, get, I have my meetings, I have my, and I'm like, well, is that all going to get thrown out of whack if I'm working until 4 a.m. some nights, which is what it was. I would say it was midnight on average. Mm -hmm. um, but what I found is that recovery and the spiritual principles that we bring to the table when we get better absolutely helped me once I got to investment banking. Um Spirit, and I know Peter talks about this a lot, can be brought into every area of life. And it gave me an edge on Wall Street, just in terms of being able to stay composed, being able to keep, you know, some perspective, being able to, you, you know, they, you were sober at this point. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I, I was five years sober when right, I went into right, banking. Right, right, right. So um, the God in me was connecting with the God in, in some of my analysts and some of my, you know, managing directors without them even really knowing it. Um, and so I'm like a, a real firm believer that the prerequisite is getting better internally, but then it's also a consideration, like, what do I want to do externally? I still like external success. Sure. Um, I, 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 I like going on dates with pretty women. I like making money. I like all those things. I know that the priority as Peter says, chop wood, carry water, right? I am in God's debt, right? I, I am in the red my entire life. I'm playing with house money because of where I was at nine years ago. So that is always the priority, but that I'm still human. I still like those things. The thing is, I just, I don't, I don't need them to be okay. Um, but the point is, I, I learned a lot of lessons along the way, and there were a lot of fears laced into to this whole process. There were a lot of peaks and valleys and successes and happiness, and it can be a roller coaster because this is an area that we have a lot of, um, just a lot emotionally invested in. And then, of course, we reconnected Ben a year and yeah. a half ago, and yeah. um, I decided there's a couple things I want. Uh, a, I want to make a bigger impact and, and help folks. Um, I was generally content doing that outside of my professional life, sure. but I figured, okay, if I can have a platform to help more people, I would, I would love that too. I, I kind of wanted to get out of New York city and come down here to, uh, to the land of the free down here in Florida. Right. Um, and, uh, and then professionally I was like, you know, I, I actually want to, I want to be an owner and I want equity in something and I want to be a manager of people. And I want to, I feel like I was never amazing at any one thing in business, but I was very good at 
at everything. I don't know if that sounds, you know, not humble, but whatever. I felt like I could touch marketing. I could touch finance. I could touch operations. And I saw how it all worked together. And I saw that the accounting was the language of business. And I learned all of that through investment banking. People think banking is just kind of cranking away in numbers, Excel. It's not. It's, it's a lot of that, but it's how does it all fit together? Can you see the whole field? Can you zoom out? Can you zoom in? And, um, and so obviously I threw my hat in the behavioral health ring and, yeah. and um, I'm really glad to be sitting here with the two of you guys. There had so, to be some pushback, I bet, from family and friends being uh, quote unquote successful on Wall Street and getting into this crazy field called mental health and addiction. Yeah, there was, um, you, you know, you know, uh, before you answer that, uh, and, and Peter, I want to speak to what you're alluding to. Mm-hmm. So when I reached out to Jamie, I didn't know what his reaction was going to be. And but but I promised myself um, and him that I'm going to be brutally honest with him yeah. because I was very, very sensitive to the fact that he was already successful established and 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 because of our background i know where he came from and i didn't want to be the one that took him off the path Mm -hmm. you know i was and so i remember very very distinctly and i don't i know jamie remembers i I was i i I just basically laid my cards out on the table Mm -hmm. and then allowed him to make whatever decisions he needed to make Mm -hmm. and do the due diligence that you know you know that that he needed to do because um, it's a mat. It's it, like you, you just alluded to it. It's, I'm it's, curious, was that a tough decision or just a no brainer? No, it, it was a tough decision. Um, I considered the the personal aspect, right? But you have to, you know, I've invested a lot of money in business school. I mean, business school is, you know, 250 grand that I took out debt mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it was a, it was, it was tough. Um, but I told you there was the the personal. But professionally, I was looking at doing a search fund. And that's essentially you raise capital. There's these search fund investors and you look to um, buy, acquire a company. You have a year to two years to find that company. It's supposed to have specific characteristics. And then you operate it and you run it for three to five years. You exit, right? And you have some equity. Um, I was going to do that with my buddy from business school, LJ. Shout out LJ. And uh, and. I, I didn't like certain things about it. And so the timing, Ben, worked out well because I happened to be down here in Miami anyway, mm-hmm. working from home. And I was kind of like, okay, this could sort of check that professional box that I was looking at on one hand. On the other hand, I was six months away from being vice president at Credit Suisse. So that, you know, that would have been a big accomplishment. I mean, I'd been there for three painful, but also, you know, really exciting years. Then a lot of deals, M&A, equity, debt, um, I'd actually liked banking, believe it or not. I didn't love the lack of control over my life. Um, I guess you could argue I never have control, but you know, I should say over my schedule. Yep. So yeah, it, it was tough, but I'm, I'm really happy. We're doing great work. And, um, you know, I want to kind of throw this over to you guys. Like, I don't know, what's your experience? Let me just throw it out there. Like, what's your experience with folks? And and, and I'll chime in later on career launch because that's something that we do at yeah. Sylvia Brathman that yeah. is designed to help people navigate that path. But like, let me just float it out there. Like, what's your reaction to, uh, you know, early recovery from either mental illness or addiction and, and how that um, translates to navigating that path? What kind of issues do people brush up against? Yeah, I think I think um, that's a great question. 
and uh, and extremely relevant. Um, I, I think I have found <clears throat> over the 25 years of my career that um, uh, people that that identify as being in recovery or trying to be in recovery, they 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 get the sense that they want to they want to be part of, they want to jump into the field. And being in recovery is not synonymous with working in treatment, and it's extremely stressful. Um, I don't I don't care what you do in in the treatment industry; it's a stressful industry. Period. End of story. And people that do that and they do it too soon, meaning too too early in in their recovery, uh, they they tend to relapse and relapse re- really hard. Um, and so I, it's a cautionary tale because um, a lot, people take their recovery and they bring it to, their, to the behavioral health work environment. And all of a sudden, boundaries are skewed. There's dual relationships. There's all kinds of unethical things that, that go on. My sense is, and to answer your question, is that in early recovery, just work. Get, work working 40 hours a week, people don't understand. That's stressful. Right. And then you tack on if you want to exercise, if you want to date, if you want to, you know, go to dinner, you want to cook, get a clean, all these things. Most people, that's where they fail. That's why statistically the first 30 to 90 days out of of the gate is where people relapse. Mm. It's a high, high level. So I, I would I would push and encourage people just work. Like it doesn't matter what you do. Plus, there's a there's a, a humbling aspect of it. Um, just make some money, get get a feel for yourself um, before before you venture out into um, you know in, into a career. I think we've seen some pushback, and you know, at, at Sylvia Brathman, it's tough when. Okay, you you said you can be stressed out by the concept of work. Then there's the other side where people are resentful of the fact that they maybe need to go work at a Walgreens, right? Cause right. they're like, I have so much more potential than that. Right. So I, you know, we see, we but, see a but, lot of but not really not, I mean, yeah, they do on, on paper, but not really. I mean, I mean, you know, that that's also a, 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 a mis misrepresentation is that there are patients that come into treatment that look good. They smell good. They dress nice. They can't make their beds. They don't brush their teeth. They don't know how to cook a meal. They don't know how to drive a car. They're not going to work 40 hours a week successfully. They're going to relapse. They're going to fall back to, to what they know. Um, so yes, there is, there is a lot of pushback because it's a, it's, you know, it's a, it's a big ego thing. Um, we've had professionals in treatment and at, at SB attorneys and doctors and whomever else that, um, they want to go back to practicing law. Well, I don't think you're ready to do that. Um, you know, you're going to, it's going to be short lived. Um, so it's a, th- th- this is such a important topic because not only does it speak to um, the, it, it speaks to the individual. It speaks to what a treatment center should and shouldn't be doing with that individual. And it also speaks to the patients, um, the individuals, family, friends, and the satellites that are important to them that are floating around them. It really, it really hits on, on everything. Um, it's, it's often minimized. Um, I mean, I mean, your decision to embark in behavioral health is, um, I, I love it. Uh, I love that story. 
um, you you basically you took you 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 basically you were you came to the table and you said, "I'm all in," and and that's the exception, not the rule. It's a and it's a great story. People need to find their footing. They 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 need to work just to work, right? It's not a career, right? You're not going to make a career out of you know bagging groceries at Publix. That that's not what that is. But it's good work. You sweat a little bit, make a little bit of money, go buy something for yourself. The, those are the kinds of things that that I like to see. Too many times I see people six months clean. I'm going to go be a behavioral health tech. Six months clean. I'm going to uh, I'm going to be a marketer in treatment. You know how I feel about marketers. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, the power of professionals of behavioral yeah, of health. So um, anyway, I, I, I maybe I was a little long winded there, but but. Um, but, but really, really critical stuff. Mm. I see young folks uh, wanting to make money right away. There's nothing wrong with making money. Go make all the money you can. Um, but at what price? And at the beginning, it's their sobriety. So I, I usually encourage folks not to work evenings in restaurants and bars. They're not there yet. Uh, they always say, well, I will get to my therapist in the morning. I will get to my 12-step uh, fellowship in the morning. The problem is they, they, they end their shift maybe 12 or after midnight, and they're sleeping all morning. And they wake up, hang out, and then go to work again. So weeks and months goes by. They don't make a meeting, but they're making lots of money. And they wind up using that money to pay for their next detox. So the attraction to money, that's wonderful, but at what price? Um, lots of folks, I was one of them. Uh, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do with my life. I, I worked uh, for, a, at the time, a very powerful union, and it was secure. Uh, there was good money. Um, but what I was approached with by the therapist in treatment was something called people, places, and things. And they kept telling me every time you return to this job, uh, it, it, it's a pipeline for money for you. And you know what's going to happen. You work a lot of hours. So you need to leave this occupation. And my whole family thought a lunacy commission should be appointed <laughs> for the therapist. And they said, don't you dare. And eventually... Uh, I went back to work there, and it was about two years into it, and I realized in here, not up in here, I, I don't want to do this anymore. There's a whole world out there. During that time, there was a gentleman, Vince Dowling. He's passed on, and he worked in the industry, and I would go to his aftercare groups, and, and we, he was a mentor to me, and he says, I like to train you to get into this field. He saw something in me that I couldn't see and he taught me a whole lot and uh that's how i was kind of brought into this because what i do now for a living uh before i started was the last thing i wanted mm -hmm. to do um i'm quitting this industry every six months i'm walking <laughs> away i'm going to become a plumber a painter or something uh, but there's um there's just too much reward in, in watching someone's life turn around and it gets me to work the next morning. But I, I, I think a new person needs to be really open if they don't have a career path yet. And I, I couldn't agree more with what Ben said. Just go work somewhere. Work in a car wash. Work in public. Just just get a gig 15, 20 hours a week. It's accountability. It's responsibility mm. to get there, show up, come home sober like all of us do. Yeah. Mm. You, you know, and, and the, the issue there is that most people identify with what they do. Yeah, that's who Absolutely. they are. Right? Absolutely, and and, and the, there's really that lack of congruity. Like you don't, you, you you 
that's the last thing that you want to do. I am my car. I am my right. house. I am my job. Right. I am my money. So therefore, sure. I have to be yeah. that professional because that's the way that it is. Yeah. That's not the case. It's not about the dollars and cents as much as it is the identification. When we talk about career, right? Like some people will think, yeah, money, right? What are you going to make? It's not about that. It's I've about- had lots of folks come to me and say, I want to get into the industry. Ben alluded to yeah. with, you know, a short amount of time sober. And they say, I want to help people. I said, well, go to your 12-step meetings and help people there. It's way too premature to get involved in this kind of heat uh, in, in the industry uh, at, a young, at young sobriety uh, or, or just starting to uh, uh, – stabilize with mental health it, it's, it's it's dangerous territory hmm. yeah you know the other thing i wanted to mention is the uh the the there are folks out there that get cannibalized by by this industry and what i mean by that is they have the gift of gab like you talked about <clears throat> and they get involved in marketing right but they have no really formal training but they get seduced by the perks and the money and all that other stuff. And that's who they become. And I've seen it so many times, which is why I want to mention it, that they end up relapsing because they're basically working for their disease. Mm. You know, the treatment center and the owners of the treatment center basically are their disease and it's, and it's, and they're being exploited and they don't even know that they're being exploited because in this industry, unfortunately, People, people think that they're better than they are because of the money, right? The money that's put out there. So I, that must mean that I'm important because I make six figures and I'm only 25 years old. That must mean that I'm the shit. I'm the guy. I'm the man. And it's sad. It is. It is. And it's I get angry, too. I still have piss and vinegar in me about all of this stuff. And I, I see good Kids, young men, young women do this and they're literally exploited. Mm. They're, they're like, they're like pimped out. Yeah. And then, and then if you make a hundred thousand dollars somewhere and you get fired, what are you going to do? Yeah. yeah. What are you going to do? I think um, making money, honestly, make as much as you can. God bless you. Um, but I see lots of folks, I, they've sat with me and they want to get into the industry. And their, their, their primary reason was not to help people. It was to make money. And where I am come from, my point of view, that's not a good way, that's not a good reason to get into the industry because you're going to be doing things that might be unethical because you're chasing your money dollar. Now, if you get in to help people and you can be successful financially, fabulous. That's great. But it should be, I, I just have a need, a calling uh, away from my private life, but professionally help people, whether it's therapists or a doctor or however it might be, running a treatment center. Uh, because that that type of mentality, I'm around long enough and I know this, it starts at the top. And if, if the, uh, the top dog is about helping people, that trickles down through the rest of the team. Mm. Yeah being ethical, having integrity, having some humility. And, and the clients start to read that from their, their therapist, that this is really about helping people. They're not attached to the almighty dollar. Uh, I've operated that way. I'm not a rich man because of it, but I put my head on the pillow and sleep at night. Yeah. It's funny. I, I, I've never really, people might look at me and say, oh, you're a banker. You're, you, you love money, right? I'm like, Actually, I've, I've never really gotten off on money. I'll be, I'll be honest. Like, 
if anything, it was more if I if I had some defect or self seeking, you know, motive. It was more about pride and ego, right? Because I was so, like I said, desperate. I, I wanted to show that I was dollars and cents for me. I, I like security and I like to like do certain things that I like to do. But I, I've never really been like because you're not afraid of money, you know, because you you're comfortable, um, with, you know, with it. You, you're not intimidated by it. Um, you, you know what it means. Um, you know, so I, I mean, that's my, view. yeah, that's my view. Of it. it, it's yeah. funny though, just cause the, the transition to behavioral health, like, you know, people just have this idea that I have like a, a money printer. I told office. you that you're literally yeah. printing gold bricks in your office. And at night you take the wheelbarrow and you bring, put it in your trunk. Yeah. I, and, I know and, you do and that it. couldn't be further I, from the truth. I'm 100% true. true. A, no, it, a lot of folks who, you know, if you're, in the treatment center, you own a place, or you must be rolling in the dough, yeah. and uh, you're judged unfairly by it. Um, there are some folks out there who despise people who work in this industry, yeah. uh, and you have an underbelly in this industry, like every other industry. I mean, it's just the way it goes. And in South Florida, a number of years ago, we would, you know, uh, in serious trouble down here with some of those folks. Um, I try to uh, chop wood, carry water, uh, stay clean, impeccable, and uh, do what's right. Yeah. And, you know, you, you, you've had, I don't, I don't remember who it was, but somebody said, oh, you must be about the money because you came from banking. I was like, well, then why did I leave investment banking in New York and come here then? Yeah. You told me that. Uh, right. So, yeah, look, I, I want to touch on career launch real quick um, because I think some of the lessons that I alluded to and some of the things that you said kind of gets rolled up into this. So mm -hmm. Ben, when we got together initially, I said, Hey, I want to offer some sort of roadmap that shows people that it basically holds people's hand through the process that there's so much fear around, which is that question. What am I supposed to do in life? Mm -hmm. Of course I come to treatment and the goal is to address the addiction, address the mental health, whatever you're there for. But we'd be lying if we said that's not a, a thing that's weighing on people. So on one hand, we shouldn't touch it on day one, but once there's some stability and people are in a groove, right? I don't think there's any harm in looking at that stuff because A, I think it'll alleviate some fear actually. And B, I know that I can help point folks in the right direction. So, so we're like, okay, let's offer this and let's do it five phases. And I'm literally thinking about my process from Morgan Stanley to Wells Fargo to Lord Abbott to, to, and, and I, and the first phase is about context, right? I need to understand everything. Where'd you go to elementary school? What were your grades? What classes did you like? Mm -hmm. um, tell me how the progression was through, through high school, through college. Where did you apply? Would you get in your, you know, did, did you not graduate? Right. Like, I just need to understand where you've been. Okay. Number two, I need to understand like what is important to that person. So people go right to the outcome, right? They're like, what am I going to do? Well, instead of deciding what you're going to do, what is the criteria for what you want to do? Mm. So we look at these different elements, right? Cause some people are, are really, they just want to love every second of every day. And they don't really care. Like that's their number one thing. Mm -hmm. um, I think of a lot of teachers in that sense, right? Like they love it. 
um, and they don't care to make a gazillion dollars. That that's shout awesome. out to teachers; they should make more money, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. We could do a podcast on that. Sure, <laughs> sure. But then some people say, you know what? I don't need to love every secondary day. I really just kind of like want to tolerate slash like it if I make enough money where I can do the things that I want to do outside of work, right? I sort of view work as there's no no good or bad, right? So let's let's rank these things. What do you care about? We're going to put aside whether it's in whatever industry and whatever sector. So let's rank compensation, work-life balance, work-life harmony, mm-hmm. loving what you do, right? Like in a, in a vacuum, let's look at how you're prioritizing criteria. Okay, number three, let's actually get a little more specific. So let's talk, people don't break it down this way, right? Sector and function. So based on those criteria, mm-hmm. okay, let's talk about how you rank these different sectors. So that would be areas of the economy, real uh, real estate, finance. I'm sorry, I'm thinking function now. Uh, real estate, um, consumer retail, healthcare, um, industrials, tourism, right? What are you interested in? And the way I frame this is, if you were to read a book on one of these topics, like what, if you had all these books on the shelf, what five books would you take? Because you're interested in that sector, regardless of what you're doing within it. And then let's look at function. So that's like, what am I doing within whatever sector it is? Do I, am I good at talking to people? And I just want to be, you know, chatting it up all day. So maybe sales or some sort of client management or account manager type role. Do I like to be in a room by myself and put my headphones in and crank on numbers? So we get to the bottom of that. We identify three to five sectors, three to five functions that are naturally tied with the criteria in phase two. And then we marry them together and we say, okay, here are three to five options based on the criteria that you talked about. And let's talk about what the roadmap would be for each of them. And sometimes it's not linear. Sometimes it's, hey, you would need to go get this degree for this one. So maybe we can do this sort of um, uh, dual track process, right? Where maybe you take some classes in the evening, you start over here. And it's just really helpful to... You know, I'm not in the weeds with the patients, obviously, like I am in my in my personal life, you know, heavily involved in in, you know, helping folks mm-hmm. in recovery. But I'm CEO and I'm I'm watching the store right? where you are, you know, both you guys are really in the trenches. And so this is one area where I feel like I can be of service. And um, and, you know, I bring in folks that are meant, you know, from from my journey on Wall Street and. And they they become mentors. We do mock interviews. I help them build their resume. Um, And so I think it's a nice added element. And it takes a lot of the fear away, you know, being able to kind of hold somebody's hand as you walk through that process. So um, I'm here to tell you that uh, we can have extremely fulfilling careers when we get better. And um, I think it's an area that a lot of people have fear in and, and there's a lot of hope down the line for, uh, for folks that prioritize their mental wellness first. It doesn't work the other way around. It's not when I get the job, I'll be good. It's maybe I'll get the job if I get good first. Right. So any concluding thoughts from you guys for today? No, I'm good. I'm good. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. Um, Please send any questions that you may have, post on our Facebook, on our YouTube, any questions that you may want us to answer in future episodes, any comments. Uh, We really appreciate all of our audience members, especially as we get this podcast going. Uh, Really blessed to have two 
experts, you know, mentors, whatever you want to call you guys. It's a, it's an amazing dynamic. Then I think you introduced a lot of humility. You usually say so-called expert. So I appreciate that. I'll tell you, not so-called. We were going to speak on humility, but there's not enough people here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. I like that. Yeah. No, I, I think I'm the most humble guy in the world. So um, in any case, looking forward to the next episode, we're going to dig into codependency. Thank you all and see you next time.